Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you this morning. Take your Bibles, if you would, open up to the book of Luke, chapter number 18. This uh, furlough was not really planned, as uh, about a year ago, my wife lost vision in her right eye, and we had to come back on an emergency medical. But the problem is, the Marshall Islands are closed down, and we're unable to go back at this time. Um, March the 8th of last year, uh, that was the last time anybody got into the Marshall Islands that was not a citizen. So we do covet your prayers about getting back. I do not have any more information about that, but we certainly want to get back as soon as possible. The biggest issue is they do not have any COVID-19 there, and they do not want to let any on the island. If we were able to get in line, we would go through a four-week quarantine, two weeks in Honolulu, two weeks in Kwajalein, with about five different COVID tests. My wife and I have already had COVID. We have the antibodies, so we're ready to go back. But we need a little help from the Lord. So pray that you would uh, pray for us that we could get back there. If you're able, stand with me this morning. I'm going to look at Luke chapter 18 and follow along as I read verses 1 down to verses number 8. Luke chapter 18, beginning with verses 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear along with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, Shall he find faith on the earth? Shall we pray? Father, we certainly want to hear from heaven this morning. And I pray I could get out of your way. And I pray that you would minister and meet the needs of each and every heart that's here today. Lord, there may be some here that have never personally accepted you as Lord and Savior. And Lord, without that, they would be separated from you for all eternity. It would be the worst mistake of one's life. I pray this morning you would touch each and every heart and may everyone know that heaven is their destiny and Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. May we lift him up this hour. Please meet our needs that we have today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. About a year ago in uh, March, they recommended all U.S. citizens leave the Micronesian Islands, because this thing called COVID-19 had hit. Nobody really understood what it was. All they would do is listen to CNN, and that's how they were getting their information 24-7. Uh, so they're scared to death. I mean, we observed them practicing social distancing when there was no COVID on the island. And there still hasn't been to this day. So all these things scared them to death. So they locked all the borders down, and they're still trying to open them up. They are waiting for a figure of about 70% of the adult population to have the vaccine. And then they're talking about letting us come back. 
However, the politicians are now getting involved, and you know what kind of a mess that's going to make. So just pray that God would break through and let us get back. We went from a flight every day to a flight once a month. That's how much it's impacted the country out there. And uh, on March the 8th was the last time anybody got into the Marshall Islands. And then come April 8th, the U.S. Embassy urged all of us to go home. If you're an American, you need to go home. Well, my wife and I looked at each other and said, you know, our ministry's here. We're staying right here. In fact, COVID was breaking out here. Why would I want to go to a place that had COVID when I could stay where a place that didn't have it? So anyways, that's kind of what took place. And uh, then a month later, the first part of May, my wife said, Dave, I can't see 25% of my vision in my right eye from the bridge of my nose over. I can't see a thing. And I said, uh, well, we need to go see the doctor. Well, that's a very scary thing in the Marshall Islands. Uh, in a third world country, going to the doctor is not something that gives you reassurance. Uh, we had one of our ladies who was two pints low on blood. Uh, not much more than a teenager. And she uh, went into the hospital and they started pumping blood into her. They were pumping in the wrong blood. She had such a reaction, it about killed her. And so they stopped. They waited a couple days. They did all their tests. They started pumping in blood a second time. They gave her the wrong blood a second time. So she just left the hospital and came home. And by the grace of God, she's fine today. I don't know how long ago it was, uh, maybe the first part of of 2018, our car broke down in the island, and we had a small 125 Yamaha motorcycle. And so we're going everywhere on this motorcycle, my wife and I together. Well, we were at least smart enough to wear helmets, because uh, one day we went to church, and in Micronesia it rains often. And so as we're heading to church, we've got rain gear on and our helmets on, and we get to church and get unpacked and dried off and ready for service, everything going well. After the service, we got dressed back up. It's still pouring down rain outside, and we got on the motorcycle. We started heading home and got about, I guess, a quarter of a mile from there, going about 30 miles an hour on the motorcycle. All of a sudden, from the left, out of these bushes, jumps this dog, and it was so quick, I could not respond, and he ran into my front tire and knocked us down, and we slid on the highway, uh, the road, not the highway, for a little bit, finally came to a stop. So I got off the bike. My wife got off the bike. We looked at each other. She's all skinned up, the palm of her hand, her knee, her foot. And so uh, it was good enough that we could go home and get cleaned up. And so I uh, you had to persuade her to get back on a motorcycle again and drive home. So we did. And uh, when I got home, I took my trousers off. And on my uh, left hip here, it was bulging out about two inches. And I said, well, that doesn't look good. So maybe I better go into the hospital. And so we go into the hospital, and they check us into the emergency ward, and, and they said, you, you need to spend the night here. You're bleeding eternally. We don't know how bad it is. We're not stopping it, but we want you to spend the night. And so they have a little gurney, uh, not much wider than 18 inches, and so I'm laying on that in the emergency ward all night long. My wife's right next to me in a, in a camping chair. That's what they got for her. And uh, through the night, cockroaches would run over your body, and my wife trying to knock the cockroaches off and keep us clean. And by morning, I said, you know what? I know there are two orthopedic surgeons from the U.S. right now volunteering their time. I said, I want you to find them, Sandy, and bring them in here, and I want them to check me out and make sure I'm getting treated proper. 
And so they came in and looked, and he took a little uh, uh, ultrasound machine and said, yeah, you're bleeding inside, but we believe that we, you know, your body's going to absorb that. We don't have to put a tube in, so we're going to be able to let you go home. And I said, well, praise the Lord. Well, do whatever you need to do. I want to go home. Well, when he said, let me check your chart first. And so they went and got my chart and looked on the chart. And on the chart, it said that uh, they were putting in a a painkiller that was aspirin-based, which will cause you to bleed even more. And he says, they can't do this. This is the wrong medicine. And I said, well, get me off of that and get me home. So it's just a a nervous thing going into the hospital. And so I had uh, called in, and uh, there was a nurse there. Uh, So we went in to see him, but we were looking for the eye doctor. He was a man from India. And we wanted to get some help, and, and the, the nurse said, no, he's, he's back in India. He can't get back in because of this COVID. And I said, well, can you do anything to help? My wife has lost sight in her right eye, and we're not sure what's going on. We knew there was a parasite in the island. The, the cats over there have a parasite, and this parasite will cause you to go blind. So we had thought, well, maybe we had just picked up a couple cats, and they were hanging around the house. Maybe she got this parasite, and... And that's the problem. So they had medicine for that, but it wasn't a parasite. That wasn't the issue. And so he's looking through his uh, equipment, all that he could as a nurse. And he said, you know, her pressure's good on both sides. And I'm looking in here. I don't see really any issue. Well, why is she blind? He said, I have no idea. And so we went back a few times and got the number of that doctor in India and emailed him and started communicating and He said, it doesn't sound good. He said, I recommend you get back to the States as soon as possible. So now it's uh, the beginning of May, and within a week, her vision lost all the way to about three-quarters of her eye. She'd lost all that vision. And uh, so I said, uh, okay, I'll I'll get us a flight, and we'll get back and get some help. Well, when I got online, they said the first flight back to America was June the 17th. And this is about the middle of May now. And uh, I said, Lord, that's just not going to do. We need help here. Uh, we got to get back to the States and get some help. So uh, I called the U.S. or the U.S. Embassy in Madro as well. And they said, no, we have no knowledge of any flight before June the 17th. So we just started praying and putting it in God's hands and said, look, God, we're out here on this little four and a half mile island and we need your help. We got to get off this island. We got to get my wife some help. So uh, we just prayed, and the next day I got a call from my daughter. She says, Dad, the embassy over in Pohnpei, which is the next country over to the west from us, uh, they are uh, saying that there's a flight coming through on May the 20th. And I said, Rachel, maybe it's coming through, but it's not going to stop in Madro. I've already checked on that. I don't know, Dad. I'm just reading to you what it said. Had my, my daughter not given me that uh, call and told me about that possibility, I would have never looked any further into it. And we would have had to wait till June the 17th and she would have lost vision in her sight for the rest of her life. So I went ahead and, and called uh, the local United office and they said, yes, we are working on a flight. And uh, the problem is last month when we then United came into the island, there was a breakdown and uh, the Marshallese government, because of COVID, would not allow anybody to leave the plane. So they sat there for 10 hours waiting for the next flight. And so we don't want to have another situation like that. And that's what United was saying. So they're working with the government of the Marshall Islands trying to have a plan that if there's another breakdown, what are we going to do? So that took about five days to finally come to pass. 
Well, in the meantime, I called up and they said, yeah, we can uh, put you on standby. There's a lot of people ahead of you. And I said, we do have a medical emergency. So if you could, you know, give us some grace here, we'd appreciate it. Well, we'll just put you on the list. That's all we can do. And so I called United.com and told them the situation. They got us a reservation. And so it came out that they made the deal between the government and, and United Airlines. And that flight came on May the 20th. So we're sitting there in the airport waiting for it. And we had our ticket in hand and we saw all these people who that God put us ahead of just to get off because there was a lot of people waiting to get off for five weeks. They've been trying to get off the island. So anyways, we uh, uh, waiting there and I could see something was wrong. And so I went up to the United agent and I said, uh, what's going on with the flight? Well, it broke down over in Koshai. It's not coming through today. Well, I had already set up all my uh, additional flights uh, we would fly into Honolulu and then into Denver and then into Cleveland. And the next day we had an appointment at the Cole Eye Institute in Cleveland Clinic, one of the best eye places in the world. So we had it all lined up and ready to go. Now this is going to ruin all the plans that we had. And I said, Lord, we just need some help here. And so during this time, you know, the Lord speaking to me and, and saying, uh, you know, uh, uh, what we ought to do and and uh, the verses like Job 1, 21 came to mind where Job said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked I shall return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And, you know, Sandy enjoyed some good sight for all those years, and, and now she uh, doesn't have it anymore. Well, blessed be the name of the Lord. I mean, we've been gifted so many things, and to be angry at God would not be the right manner. So if this is the case, no matter what, I want to bless the name of the Lord. I started thinking about Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul had an infirmity, and he went to the Lord three times. And he asked God to remove that infirmity. And look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12, and verses 8 and 9. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So I just thought the same thing. Look, if, if it makes us better servants of the Lord, then blessed be the name of the Lord. But it wasn't my eye. I wasn't the one losing my sight. And I said, Lord, if there be any way, please. I thought about the Lord Jesus Christ. When on the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked the Lord... He asked the Father three times to remove that cup of indignation from him. And the Father said, there's no other way. You have to take on all the world's sin upon you. There is no other way. So I just thought, okay, what do we do here? Do we pray three times? And if we don't uh, get an answer that, is this it? Is this all we do? And then the Lord, uh, in my daily reading, brought me to... Luke 18 and verse 1, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And God used that verse to stir my heart and say, look, this thing isn't over. You just keep praying unto me. And down there in verse number um, 7, he talked about day and night crying out to him. And so I want you to know that starting that day, I started crying out to God day and night to help us in this situation. And I didn't quit. Uh, we had several surgeries that Sandy had to go through. But I continued that prayer from that day all the way through the first part of December. 
When I think about uh, what the Lord did, it's pretty amazing to me. I started thinking about the blind man in John chapter 9. And the Bible says, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. You know, I knew right at that time, and so did my wife, that this was going on because God was going to get glory out of it. And so our church over there, they knew every step of the way. They knew there was not a flight. They knew it broke down. They knew the difficulty for us to get on that. Well, that very next day, they had a flight that came in, and they called us early, and they said, listen... We've got a flight, and it's a special flight. We're going to pick up all the passengers who, who are there, even those all on standby, and uh, have them ready early because we believe we can get you into Honolulu to catch up with the original flight that you had planned. And I'm telling you what, it was an absolutely an amazing testimony because it usually takes Sandy and I about 48 hours by the time we leave our house in Majuro to get back to uh, my daughter's in Cleveland, about 48 hours. There's uh, layover time, flight time, all that kinds of thing. And we would have had to sit in the airport in Honolulu for 20 hours had we had that original 20th date. So that plane comes the next day, and as soon as we arrived in Honolulu, man, they rushed us through customs, and they got us checked in. They, they held the next plane for us, and we literally went from point A to point B, non-stop running through the airport and we had made it back in into uh, uh, Cleveland in 24 hours that is the absolute quickest time that we had ever made that trip well my uh, church there in in uh, Majuro saw all these things going on and they were praying for us but you know what first of all we had no doctor to help us they knew that second of all there was no plane to get us off island to get us to a doctor that could help us and they saw God take the impossible and make it possible. And I want to tell you, before we even left the island of Madro, that God was already getting honor and glory from this situation. And so we're just praising God for what had taken place and what he did for us. But then in our text, it says, verse number two, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. It's a pretty sad uh, uh, saying when you have to go before a judge that does not fear God or doesn't regard man. In other words, this guy could care less. He's there to make his money, to make his profit and move on to the next place. And so that was a pretty scary thing to see that there's a judge that feared not God. You know, God instituted marriage. If you're here today and you're married... Yeah, if you want to have the right kind of marriage, what you ought to do is take the Bible. If you're a husband and you ought to read everything the Bible says a husband ought to be. And you ought to be the best husband you can be in that marriage. If you're a wife, you ought to read the Bible and find out what God says a wife ought to be. And you ought to be the very best wife you can be. You see, God created marriage. And he's the one that has the answers. And when we have uh, a man and a woman that, that reads scripture and does what God says on their part, they're going to have a God-blessed, God-honoring marriage. Well, there's no different with the church. Grace Baptist Church exists not because of what men did in the past, because of the word of God. If you want to have a church, 
God lays out in the epistles exactly how we're to have a church in our day and age. We don't have to take what other men have done. We have thus saith the Lord God. God made the church. But God also made government. And uh, to have the right kind of government, I believe we need the word of God involved. Praise God for uh, one of the Old uh, Testament men, Jehoshaphat. He was ready to set up some judges uh, for Judah. If you have your Bibles, turn to Second Chronicles chapter 19, but please hold your place here in our text. Second Chronicles chapter 19. And when he was setting up those judges, notice what takes place. And he said unto the judges, Take heed what ye do, for ye judge not for man, but for the Lord, who is with you in the judgment. Wherewith now let the fear of the Lord be upon you, and take heed and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. Jehoshaphat gave great wisdom for these judges. He said, look, first of all, when you make a judgment, understand you're making it as if you were God. So you're going to make a right judgment. And he said, you don't have to fear because, with God because there's no iniquity with God. He says, do not have respect of persons when you make your judgment. And do not take gifts when you make your judgment. And he set up some good judges. And you know what we need in America today is some good judges who fear God and they care for what's best for the people of America. This summer, last summer actually, broke my heart when I saw the Supreme Court go against the church on two different occasions. They just simply wanted to meet together with other believers They wanted equal rights like what the casinos had, but they were denied those rights. It broke my heart to see some bad judgments being made. You know, the greatest thing the United States did was 245 years ago create the Constitution. It is a document that has lasted longer than any other democracy in the world today. An amazing document. The Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, all these things have changed and made America good. And you know what? When we go by the Constitution, which is God's all over that thing with Scripture and everything else, we have a good running government. Things go well. But boy, when we turn from that, what a disaster. About a 100 years ago, humanism made its way into America. Oh, it went right into government, went right into the universities. By 1962, the Supreme Court made one of the worst decisions they'd ever made. They removed prayer out of public school. It wasn't long after that that the Bible was removed from public school. Terrible decisions. Why? Because these judges did not fear God and they didn't regard what was best for man. We also find a few years later in 1973 that the Supreme Court legalizes abortion. Since that time, about 62 million babies have been murdered in the womb of the mother. Absolutely disgusting practice. Flat out murder no matter how you look at it. But another bad decision made. Why? Because there's some judges who do not fear God. And they don't care what's best for man. Now today in university, wow. I've watched some good young people go into university. And I'm telling you what, when they come out, they're absolutely a disaster. They have been challenged for their faith of God. 
and they have been bombarded for the years. And it's sad to see that humanism is all over our universities. No wonder we have put out so many bad decisions in America. And our judges today, in the past 10 years, I've seen so many bad decisions made. It's absolutely abhorrible. I've heard this year the call of the Constitution to end it. How foolish is that? Something has been successful for 245 years to just get rid of it. Listen, point is, America has changed. We're not the same that we once was. We need to understand that the decades of replacing good with evil things has taken its toll. Even when you consider the last 20 years since 2000, uh, yeah, 2001, September uh, 11. Has things really been all that great in America? Man, these kids have to deal with things of, of uh, school shootings that when I was growing up, we just didn't exist. Terrorism. I didn't know what a terrorism was when I was their age. Now, they, they've lived through this for 20 years. Listen, it's bad decision upon bad decision. And we need to understand that there's a lot of ungodly judges out there in America. And uh, continue reading in our text, verse 3. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, that judge, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. But he would not for a while, but afterwards he saith within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Here we have a poor widow woman. She has a real problem. And she has one man that she can go to to get help. And when she goes to this man to get help, she'd knock on the door and say, Mr. Judge, would you let me in? I need some help. He wouldn't even acknowledge her. He sent her away and wouldn't do a thing. That woman the next day came back because he was the only one that could help her, knocked on the door again. I need some help, Judge. Judge wouldn't even hear her case. I don't know how often she came, but perhaps it was several times a day But she came so often that this judge realized, unless I make a judgment, this woman is going to wear me out. I might as well just make a judgment for her and get this over with. You know, maybe if this lady had some gold and silver or had some political clout that she could have got a decision, that probably was true. But she didn't have anything. She was absolutely helpless. And there was one man that could help. Listen, it was no different for my wife. We were absolutely helpless. I would love to help her, but I'm telling you, I'm no doctor. There's nothing I can do. Was no doctor on island, was no plane to get off island. We were absolutely helpless. But then we see that this man finally, finally makes a decision for her. A man that did not fear God, a man that did not regard man Uh, This judge could care less about any of those things, yet he made, finally, a decision for her. Well, I see a comparison here that's kind of amazing to me. Look at verses number 6. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. Shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry unto him day and night, though he bear along with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. I already told you from the time it normally takes us 48 hours to get from Micronesia back home, we did it in 24 hours. Listen, when I cried day and night unto my heavenly father, I want you to know he heard. 
and he answered speedily. He got us back quicker than we ever had gotten back before. But in every parable, there's a focus, some great truth that God wants us to know. And we've got to find out what is that great truth here. Uh, we have some characters. One, we have the judge. Is the judge the, the ungodly judge? Is he where the focuses ought to be in this portion of Scripture? I'm going to tell you, absolutely not. But I want to tell you, for the last year, it's been difficult not focusing on the ungodly judges in America. I mean, they make you angry. And we focus all of our attention on them instead of doing the will of God that he wants us to do each and every day. So I want to, I want to warn you today, don't put your focus on these ungodly judges. Yes, there's bad things going on. But that's not the basis of what God is trying to tell us. Well, what about the widow woman? Is she the focus of the story? She had a great need. And there was only one that could help her. That's absolutely right. But I want you to know the focus was not on that widow woman. And the focus really wasn't on my wife losing her sight. That really wasn't what the focus was about. The focus was, in verse number one, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. God wants us not to give up on things in this life. How many times do we go to him asking him for something and we don't get an instant answer and we just throw it away? We just let it go. How many of you parents have a child that is not serving the Lord and it crushes your heart and you prayed for him, but you just don't pray for him anymore? You know what God is telling us this morning? We may not all have a, a detached retina problem in our life, but we certainly have problems and we certainly need some help. And he doesn't want us to quit praying. So whatever you have, financial need, health need, relationship need, I want you to know that we have a God in heaven that cares. And he wants to help you. But he desires to hear from you day and night. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Man, faint not, my brethren. Keep the faith. Keep praying. I did not believe that God had closed the doors on my wife being able to get her sight back. He already proved himself true getting us an air, air flight. Getting us back quicker than he ever had before. I know we have advances in health care today that we didn't enjoy 50, 100 years ago. And praise God for those. It's great to be alive in 2021. But as we finally got to the doctor in Cleveland, she looked at Sandy and she said, oh, if you could have only been here the same day that your retina detached, we could have helped you. It's been 20 days, Sandy. I don't know if there's anything we can do for your eye, but we will have the surgery. Now, I don't know about you, but this is when COVID was, was really big last year and uh, I can't even be there with her. I'm out in the car waiting in the cell phone parking lot. And she's on her own, and she's just ready to go into eye surgery. And I don't know about you, but I don't like people messing with my eyes. I mean, I, some people, some of you wear contacts. I don't know if I can put a contact in my eye. I just don't like messing with my eyes. And here she is, and the doctor says, yeah, we can do the surgery, but I don't think it's going to do any good. But we'll do what we can. And now she's going into surgery, and she has that surgery. When the surgery is finished, the doctor says, well, as far as the surgery goes... Uh, everything went as what we hoped, but only time will tell. As they looked at her other eye, they found that her left eye was doing the same thing as her right eye. 
that there were three tears in her retina on her left eye. And so they said, we can take a laser and we can go in there and we can zap that. And they took about a hundred little times that they, they zapped her left eye and reattached that retina. And about a month later, we found out that it seemed to do a pretty good job. Whenever you mess with either of your eyes, like surgeries like that, then if you have cataracts, then they get bad really quick and they just cloud up all your vision. So instead of her vision getting better, it actually stayed the exact same and uh, it just wasn't improving through the summer months. But they said this is to be expected. And so they said, well, what we want to do is go in there and remove those cataracts and put new lenses in and we think we can help you. Well, during that time, that surgeon who did her first eye surgery for her retina she said, uh, I, I'm going to be having a baby through the summer and uh, I'm going to be gone for about three months, but uh, we'll probably see you towards the end of the year. Uh, these other people are going to be taking my place and filling in for me. So we hadn't seen her for quite a while, this doctor. And so we get into the, the, the other doctor who's going to remove the cataracts and they said, you know, your left eye, we're pretty sure we can give you 20-20 vision. Now listen, my wife has wore glasses and she's been 10 years old. She has not enjoyed 20-20 vision for a long time. But your right eye, he says, we're hoping to get you 20-100 vision. And what that means is what uh, good seeing people see at 100 feet, my wife, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, would see at 20 feet. What, what, let's see, what you would see at 100 feet, my wife would see at 20 feet. I'm saying that wrong. Anyways, She's five times worse in her eyesight than what normal people would be. And that's what he was hoping to take place. And so we both thought, you know what? That's better than nothing. At least if something comes across her view, she'll be able to see something move, even if she's not clear on it. And so they went ahead and had those surgeries in the first part of November. And then uh, when we got the results a week later, she says, yeah, we got 20-20 vision in your left eye. Man, we're just praising God. And how about the right eye? Well, we didn't get you 2100, but we did get you 2030 vision. Now, I'm telling you what, that's not perfect, but that's pretty close. And I'm telling you what, we serve a God that does above and beyond all that we ask and think. And she has better sight now than what she's had since she's been 10 years old. This is what happens when you commit unto the Lord day and night. God knows my heart. If she would have not got her, her uh, eyesight back, I would still be praising the Lord in front of you this, this morning. Because that's the kind of God we serve. He just meets our, our every need and does above and beyond, taking care of everything for us on this situation. She was that widow that needed help, and nobody could help her. But God stepped in. December the 3rd, she goes back to see that original surgeon. And that original surgeon said, Sandy, I did not think you would ever get vision out of that right eye again. And here, look at you, 20-30 vision. And Sandy said, but God, God made a difference. I know, doctor, you went all those years of schooling. You did all you could, but even you admitted you didn't have any hope this was really going to do anything. But God did. And God gave the vision back. You know, I don't know about you, but... When all these things took place, the Word of God really, really helped me. I didn't know what the, what the outcome would be. But I trusted in the Lord, and He came through. Lastly, in verse number 8, it says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall He find faith 
on earth? Shall he find faith on earth? In chapter 17, we see that in our age that things wouldn't end up being so easy as what we might have thought. We also read in chapter 17 about the ten leopards. And as Christ heals the ten leopards, there's only one that came back and thanked him. And Christ even made a mention in the scriptures about that. Where's the nine? You know, so many times in our life, God does great and miraculous things for us, and we don't thank him and praise him for it. I want to testify this morning that I'm thanking and praising God for what he did for my wife. I don't want to be the nine. I want to be the one. And Christian and church, we need to be the one that praises him and thanks him for what he's doing in our life. Then he says, well, I find faith on the earth. You know, we're coming towards the end of what I would consider the end of time. I just don't see time going on a lot, lot longer. I think the Lord is, is having the end days all being uh, scripturally prophesied and, and coming to place before our own eyes. Uh, ten more years, I, I don't see it. I mean, it could happen, but I don't personally see it. Listen, if you don't know Christ as Savior... That same God that could touch and give sight to my wife can take your sin and wash him away in his precious blood and give you eternal life. I don't know what needs you have today, but I know you have needs. But Christian, are we going to be found faithful when Christ comes back? You know, that's something each one of us have to determine. Are we going to be faithful till the Lord comes back? Things are coming together and we need to be ready. Will we be the one who has faith in him? Will we be the one that continues in prayer and faints not? Will we be the one that tells those who do not have Christ about his marvelous grace? Will we be the one to give Jesus Christ honor and glory no matter what takes place? You know, we have a wonderful God. He's never been the problem. We've always been the problem. And when we have things in our life and we don't trust him for it, who's it to blame? Nothing but ourselves. I want to encourage you this morning, if you quit praying, if you haven't committed these things that are dear to your heart to the Lord, if you're here this morning and you're not for sure that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, God wants to make all the difference in the world. He says, pray and faint not. Day and night, come and see what God will do. Let's pray. Our Father, we come before you this morning. We want to thank you for what you did for my wife. It was absolutely amazing, a miracle, because there was just so many things against us. And yet, you were faithful all through the way.